www.thepodcast.com podcast. Hello, welcome to Represent the Queer Musicals.com podcast. My name's James Lovelock, and I'm here today with two guests from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I'm going to get them to introduce themselves. So let's start with you, Robin. Hello, my name is Robin Simois de Silva. Excellent. And Teddy. Hello, my name is Teddy Hind. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about um, getting involved with uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, because, Robin, you, you've just come off of bed knobs and Broomsticks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so I did the tour of bed knobs and Broomsticks, and then as soon as we finished, I had a couple of months off, and then I started a new tour. Um, <laughs> so I haven't lived at home. But, um, yeah, I did... I think it was actually at my second audition that I met Teddy in person for the first time. Oh, amazing. Um, because we'd only ever <laughs> known each other on, like, Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we were at the next audition as well together, and then we both got the job, um, and that was very nice. But, yeah, I mean, for me it was, I think, four auditions, and then I was there. Excellent. And you play Augustus Gloop. I do. I play Augustus Gloop, uh, greedy little boy that he is. <laughs> And I get to eat some chocolate and some fake food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an amazing role. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Teddy, is this your, this is your first, this is your first big tour? This is my first tour. Yeah. Yeah, all exciting. It's very exciting. Yes. It's great. Um, similar to Robin, um, well, we, yeah, we met on the second round of auditions, mm. didn't we? And we were both sat in the, in the waiting room of Umbrella the umbrella oh yeah the umbrella, umbrella rooms yeah. um and we kind of like gave each other a look and went you you in for charlie <laughs> and um it was just yeah it was kind of a, a moment where we we're like hmm two trans people yeah i kind of felt like i don't know about you but i was like oh no because they can only have one oh, of us no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, surely we're both in for mike tv <laughs> Surely yeah, I, I thought you might Augustus be in for Augustus, yeah. Oh my God, imagine that. And then when you were in for Mike, I was like, oh no, but they can't They, they, they have, have to both. choose one. They can't have us both. But, and then we were very much in contact, like, every second of the day, like, have you heard? Yeah. Have you heard? <laughs> Sorry for the ASMR, um, but have you heard? Um, and then, yeah, went to the finals and we were both there and we were like, hey, we're here again. Yeah. And then, yeah, booked the job, which was just amazing. And it was... A real moment of oh my gosh, this is this is pretty cool. Two trans people in you know good featured parts mm. in a in a commercial UK tour. Yeah. How exciting is that? And like you know we share a dressing room, and it's just been a great time because obviously we get on so well. That's not a lie. Yeah, I actually hate you. <laughs> um, we got on super well. Like we've become best pals on yeah. this on this job, and also we get to share that trans experience as well. Yeah, it's mm. very, it's like, I don't think I've realised how valuable it was to have another person. I, on Bedknobs, had another person as well. I had Rob Madge and yes. we were always, again, in the same dressing room and like got to lean on each other you know, for that trans stuff. And it's just, I feel so lucky to have it again, but this time with someone, I guess, whose experience is more similar to mine and being able to like, yeah, kind of coach each other through things sometimes. Absolutely. It's that reassurance and that, that um, kind of person that you can go to and be like, hey, I'm experiencing this. And like as much as the cast are lovely, like they're wonderful, mm. but they obviously don't quite understand specific things that we experience or like day to day if we have a struggle with gender or whatever. Mm. It's just nice to have someone to go, oh, I'm feeling like this today and I know that you know how I feel. 
and yeah, yeah it's it's um invaluable i'd say it's really great i think that's one of the really exciting things about charlie and and also i think about bed knobs as well actually is the, this the fact that they have been it hasn't just been let's have one trans person yeah and uh, because i think <laughs> tokenism actually, yeah i think there is a sense of that and i think it's also um about making the space accessible for people and it's you know there, there are some similarities with i guess other um other people who are maybe find themselves in a minority in a room quite often mm-hmm. i think it's so important and so great that charlie and and the casting teams more in general are starting to realize the importance of this not just because it makes the show better and it mm. does make the show better having all sorts of different people involved in it but also just for the kind of health and safety and the you know the comfortability of the people involved as well have you been involved in other i know you've all both been involved in a lot of new musicals workshops have you been involved in other shows where you've had um other tra- i mean you've mentioned bed knobs and broomsticks mm. but have there been other shows where you've had other trans people with you um for me personally if it wasn't like workshops and new musicals then no it was yeah bed knobs and this yes and i'm very grateful for the the people mm. um my other than like new musicals and workshops and stuff my only other job has been spring awakening and um even i wasn't trans at the beginning of that <laughs> so, so there were no trans people on that job until i came out mm. um which was during it and um and then it was me. <laughs> and that was a good experience because even though I didn't have trans people on the job, I had someone who um, had a really wonderful friend, Beth, um, who knew like more trans people than I'd ever met. And like it was all seemed so new to me. And it was actually quite funny now that like this cis woman, um, also queer, but this cis woman was like telling me things about myself that I... Um, or about like what I might need to do that I didn't know. I was like, and how do you get hormones? And she was like, like this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So I was very lucky in that regard, but I was still the only trans person, yeah. But how, how amazing to have somebody there. Yeah, like and she that. put me in touch with trans people that she yes. knew and people of, of different ages and down, down the line and stuff. Mm. And that was so, so helpful. We're going back... I don't want it to make it sound like you're really ancient. Yeah. We're going back quite a while now, though, aren't we, with Spring Awakening? Yeah, that, 2018. Yeah, so that's... I feel like things have have, st- have changed even in that sort of five Definitely. years. yeah. In terms of how people are starting to cast things. Yeah, immediately after Spring Awakening, I really struggled to be seen for anything. And I think if I were in the same place now, I wouldn't have struggled quite so much. There was a lot of not knowing where to put me as someone who was like, I am masculine, but I haven't gone on testosterone and I haven't um, had uh, top surgery. And like, to you, I still look like a girl, but I'm not. And Mm. they, yeah, there was a lot of not knowing where to put me. Whereas even though there are very, very few non-binary roles and trans roles now, it is still a more encouraged thing, an accepted thing to cast people (laughs) and not be like, but they don't look like they could be that. And I think... Yeah, I'd probably have less of a casting struggle now than I did five years ago. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that's also maybe down to some of the directors that have been very instrumental. Yeah. I mean, it's quite possible that, I suppose, from the experiences in Spring Awakening, so thinking about Luke Shepard particularly, who's then mm. gone on to work with Anne Juliet um, and, you know, and various other shows which have very much um, a strong queer presence in. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's partly down to the fact that they've worked with you and that they've... Well, you know, I'd like to think that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really true. And I think it's actually 
my experience as a as a teacher and and even on these podcasts as well is that most of the things that I know about trans people have come from trans people being mm. open and willing to share their experiences and 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 so I can then go oh I know that's fine yes of course we've just done a uh, production of the 45th annual Chatterley Village Fate which is a wonderful name for a musical <laughs> uh, but it's written with all of the parts just have gender neutral names so mm. you can cast those parts however you want to and it's such a freeing experience to know I have trans and non-binary students and to know that you can just put trans and non-binary students they can play any parts yeah actually and so it's it's a that that has come from I think people like yourself and you know people who are at the very earliest stage uh, being involved in those musicals so thank you for that <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> um what about you Teddy I was really mm. lucky to do Anyone Can Whistle at the yes, Southwark I Playhouse. Saw that. You did. I did. Um, yeah. Now that was very trans. Yeah, and it was very <laughs> queer, and mm. so I was just an incredible experience. And obviously, it was directed by Georgie Rankham. Yes, who is um, non-binary, and wow, yeah. Mm. I I think of that show most days because it was just such a special experience. It was so great, and to be with so many other trans people and obviously with Alex Young as well who mm. is an angel yes I feel like I say that on every podcast I go on. <laughs> but um yeah it was it was a wonderful experience so in terms of like working with other trans people I did have that mm. yes in anyone can whistle um with regards to new musicals I yeah I had a a wild <laughs> like time mm. at the, uh, I think it must have started in January 2022 and every week I was doing like a different workshop for a different wow. musical or some other concert or mm. something um so I got to experience a load of different your new work and obviously mm. is he musical yes um wow that I love that show I love that show so much and that I do look back at that and say that that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. <laughs> so hard. Yeah, because you, you workshopped it over a week, didn't you? Yeah, so learnt it in a week. Yeah. And it was a two-hander, mm. uh, which was like just over an hour. And it was probably the most I've ever learnt in my life. <laughs> and, and that is written by a trans writer as well. Yes, um, yes uh, Jude. Jude Taylor. Um, and then that's gone on to the vaults in a slightly different version that's now called The Unconventionals. Mm. But it's a, tell us a little bit about um, Is He Musical or just like the setting of it, because I think it's really important and interesting the way that, that developed. So it's based around two characters, Wilfred and Lawrence. Yeah. So Lawrence is a cis gay man who mm. moves to London with quite a bit of money um, yes. from his dad. And um, Wilfred is... Um, non like a non-binary icon mm. <laughs> um like an, an amab non-binary icon yeah it was set in the 1930s uh-huh. where obviously gay and queer culture was quite underground mm. and it's just a beautiful piece obviously surrounding these two characters and their relationship and um their friendship and mm. how they grow together and wilfred helps lawrence discover who he is and it's oh, it's just I just love the piece so much mm. and it's I, I think it's about 70 minutes long and just a two-hander straight through and yeah like I said it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done it was so intense but just so wonderful and the music is gorgeous yes. and it's just it was beautifully directed as well by Matt Powell yeah um and yeah just a 
good old wonderful time. The the team were lovely, and Barry O'Reilly, obviously, who are played opposite, mm. is <laughs> gorgeous human. <laughs> Such a silly man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was a wonderful experience, and I was just really lucky to be working in such great creative teams obviously mm. on smaller projects so then obviously taking it back to charlie to book such a big commercial theater job mm. where the team still very much felt like they massively cared about the welfare of um me as a trans well us obviously but me as a trans person who had just started hormones and yeah look, i was five five weeks five and a half weeks post-op when i started wow. post-op surgery op when mm. i started um rehearsals for charlie and then i started testosterone not too long after that it was an intense time and they were beyond amazing and so supportive and so here for me and yeah i just think the fact that they've done that proves that it can be done and that uh, casting trans people is not difficult yes and actually I'm, I'm really interested in this idea of casting trans people as younger characters as well because I, I guess there is a a sort of um a parallel I guess in the sorts of physiological changes that are happening <laughs> and you know in terms of the voice and mm. you know all of that sort of coming to terms with with the body and all of that kind of thing um I mean it's definitely fun to like live a boyhood on stage in a mm. way that um i didn't get to in reality um it he's definitely like a top trick that i think casting directors need to get on you know <laughs> you don't need to cast a small cis boy you have an excess of <laughs> already small trans boys out there um and i suppose there's like definitely a political aspect to it maybe some people um could talk about kind of the infantilization of trans people and sure. you can't mm. you know obviously we we can also play adults but um <laughs> you know that's a hot trick that there's trans people who are very comfortable <laughs> playing teenagers um and we're we're ready for you we're ready made we uh <laughs> we've just recently gone through puberty or are going through puberty so we know what it's like mm. um yeah like mike tv is literally going through puberty on stage in front of your eyes. You can't get that anywhere else. <laughs> you want it authentically. <laughs> You've got it. Trans people. <laughs> if you're interested in LGBTQ plus representation in musical theatre, check out our website, www.queermusicals.com, for lots more information about musicals with LGBTQ plus characters. How have you found it vocally um, with the um, with the music for Charlie? Are you finding that your where your voice sits is changing as the as the kind of tour progresses? Massively, yeah. Um, it's been quite a journey. Um, <laughs> my voice has changed massively mm. um, in the span of so I've been on testosterone for eight months. Yeah, as we record this. Um, my voice has dropped massively. I have a very low voice now, yes. as you can hear. <laughs> um, so working with that has been difficult, but also great at the same time mm. because it's 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 lovely to hear such a obvious change. It's quite it's a, obviously a very euphoric feeling because yes. it's nice to go. Oh wow! I can really hear that change. Um, luckily, Mike 
the character obviously doesn't sing solo. Right. Which is useful. Yeah. <laughs> because the the range of my voice at the moment is it fluctuates every day, mm. so it's very unpredictable. But the group the ensemble sections, I've just changed vocal part from a tenor to a baritone. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, it's been fine and I felt so supported. So yeah, I felt pretty great and there have been days where I've gone, yeah, this is hard and I don't know that I can do it today. And there have been days where I felt felt really vocally secure. Mm. And it's never been detrimental. It's never been like a, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to sing again. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it just, some days are harder than others, mm. obviously. But, um, cause it's essentially going through the male puberty, like teenage boy puberty, but mm. times 10 because it's induced, obviously. Yes. So it, it happens so, it does happen so much quicker, doesn't it? Cause rather yeah. than over a span of, yeah, it's measured years, it's mm. like you will transition or you will <laughs> go through puberty at this rate because you are taking this every day blah, blah, blah. Mm. so have, it's, it's measured yeah we have a very wonderful md ellen who is oh, uh, ellen campbell really love you yeah yeah <laughs> you know, i think it's just been so helpful like i only witness it but um she talks to study a lot about where his voice is at mm. uh on certain days and like what he needs and i just think that's so brilliant and not something you can expect on every production sadly mm. but um, but should yeah you should be able to expect it definitely <laughs> and it's yeah just really reassuring to see that people on the creative team care so much and um, that it's like really easy it's actually really yeah. easy to just come and be like how's it going today how are you doing what mm. do you need and the questions get answered and concerns are brought up and like yeah it all life goes on and it's just not deep, is it? It's not I deep. Think you can just be in a musical. People imagine that it's probably more difficult to facilitate than it is, mm. but it's really yeah, just a case of that. keeping like an open dialogue. As mm. um, I will flag that, like I have such a wonderful relationship with Ellen that I mm. will just be able to go to her and be like, today is a bit difficult. And she'll be like, okay, is it like too difficult? Because there have been, like candidly, there have been a few times where I've not been able to do the show because... Mm. My voice is just not yes. not good. Um, but there have been other times where she'll just come and she'll be like, okay, how are you feeling? Um, she'll also, you know, help me out with um, pushing for appointments or lessons or mm. anything that I need. She'll just be like, we can do this for you. We can help you with this. So great. She's wonderful. And if you work with her, you're very lucky. <laughs> yeah. I speak to Congrats. you, the listeners and new grads and yeah. trans people. That's that's so brilliant to hear, though. And I think also, um, you know, normalising the use of swings and covers and, mm. and all of those sorts of things within the show. I mean, I think for anybody, but particularly for people whose voices are changing or whatever it might be, I'm thinking also um, of trans women as well who are, you know, starting to sing. We've we started to see a, a lot more trans women being cast in in uh, in major roles now and mm. and you know it's it's a lot to kind of take on isn't it at, at a at certain stages of, tr of transition so mm. yeah. it's definitely it's really good to hear that you're supported in that way that's really fantastic yeah i think my initial reaction is to go i'm really lucky but i hope that it becomes not lucky mm. i think that's the best way becomes I can standard say. Yeah. and becomes the standard because yeah i believe I do believe genuinely that 
<laughs> as trans, you know, trans mask people mm. and trans men, we are so useful in this industry. Like Robin said, we look well. I know that I'm going <laughs> to be in a school uniform forever, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's useful because I'm never going to look older. I'm going to look like a child until I'm 80 and then look really wrinkly. (laughs) That's my prediction. I'll come back and listen when I'm 80. Well, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Robin, I was going to ask you a little bit about Brother and um, the the musical What You Wrote. Yeah, that one, that one. (laughs) Because I found that that's something I was able to kind of follow from its early stages. when you were kind of developing it and I think you worked it's now called Seven Dials I can't remember what it was called when you yeah the Actors Centre that's right yes yeah uh, Tristan Bates Theatre and the Actors Centre yeah that's right yeah and then and then uh, you had a kind of lockdown type performancey thing at Southwark Playhouse yes. didn't you as well yeah it was amazing to watch the development between the, the two uh, the two different yeah they kind of do that. different shows and in between that we had um, MT Fest at the Turbine Theatre um, yes. and yeah, they are all very different versions of the show, but mm. we were so proud of and so happy with, um, I mean, every version, but particularly how we presented it at uh, Southwark Playhouse yes. in that live stream. Um, yeah, I was just, it was kind of a magical two weeks. Um, we spent like a week and a half learning everything, rehearsing, um, and then... Yeah, we put on three shows and it was just, yeah, it was just so bizarre, especially because it was live streamed. It mm. was hard to feel real because <laughs> um, we were in the same room that we'd been in, but there were cameras on and <laughs> there were still like five other people in the room or whatever. But it was a it was the show. It was yes. the time of the show. And that felt um, odd and very lockdown unique. Um but yeah, brother is about a family. Um, it's about these two brothers, and one of them is trans. Uh, his name is Reed, and his brother is called Jackson. And their mother, Cassie, is you know the heart of their home, and she's an artist. Uh, it's set in St Ives, and she's quite well known uh, as an artist there. And Reed himself is studying to be an artist as well. He's just finished school; he's eighteen. And his brother Jackson is a doctor, and is so separate from. Mm kind of his and Cassie's world of art and creativity and um, it leaves him feeling a bit isolated from them. Um, and uh, very tragically, Cassie dies and... Whoa, spoilers! <laughs> Christ, <laughs> if you're going to see Brother, no, well, don't it happens now. so quick. It's the beginning. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, no, it's actually lovely. Anyway, <laughs> this is so lovely. <laughs> Sorry, beautiful. please. No, it literally is revealed in the first scene, so... Mm. Fine. There's that. Um, it's, you know, it's like a time-jumpy, aroundy show. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, and it shows the brothers kind of dealing with that, dealing with their own identities, um, not just Reed's trans identity, because that's quite a well-established, comfortable part of the life Mm. by then. Um, He came out at 12, and um, his mother is very supportive and remains that way till she dies. Um, (laughs) And so is his brother. You know, his brother immediately accepts him as a brother. Um, But it's about that relationship between them and... Um, kind of reconciling things after their mother dies and about her and what she showed them and what parts of her identity she didn't show them um, and kind of 
uncovering that. And there's another character, Iris, who is the mentee of uh, Cassie and who kind of doesn't know much about Reed and Jackson and then um, they end up getting to know each other after Cassie's death and Iris comes uh, as quite a a shy character comes into their lives um, in a really beautiful way and by the end they've kind of got a new family and it's about art and family and grief and um, brothers. (laughs) It's it's such a beautiful story, and and I have to say, in all three versions, because I, I did see it also at the mm. um, uh, wherever the other one was that we said the MT Fest at the <laughs> yeah. turbine, yeah, that all three versions because they are so different and they are all telling different stories. And I think one of the things that made me realize there's two things that have just come out of that. Actually, one of the things that made me realize is um, that there are so many stories to tell about trans characters. Not necessarily, as you say, it's not your story is not about Reed being trans. It's mm. part of the story, but yeah. it's not what it's about. But there's so many different stories that could be told there. Yeah. And to me, that's really important. And there are, you know, there are several other musicals that are being written that that um, have trans characters at the forefront. Um, and then the other thing was it, when we talk about spoilers <laughs> and this idea, actually, that to me, as a queer person, it's really important for me to know before I go into a show that the queer person is going to be okay. Yes. And yeah. And actually, and he is. Yes. Hooray! <laughs> but it's also. There's a thing about, I think, sometimes where we felt like we have this one way of storytelling, which is that we have to, there has to be surprise and there has to, we have to keep everything secret and it has to be in suspense. Whereas actually, it's really nice sometimes to go to the theatre and go, I know this is going to be okay for this character. Mm. I just want, now I'm going to go and watch this to see how it's going to be okay. Yeah, we do, we do start at the end in a version of Reed who is, um, well, semi the end, uh, a version of Reed who is applying to, um, a job actually at an escape mm. room um, in a bit of a jokey video. But it, you kind of know then that his mum is already dead, that mm. we are at the end of that arc and that he's seemingly all right. <laughs> um, and then it's how, how did we get there? And yeah, I guess mm. I, I hadn't really thought about that, but um, that can be comforting as a, as a queer mm. person to know that he's going to be okay by the end. He's, he's not the dead one. Yeah, it's amazing how many stories that are written by queer people do that. that they, they, st- they have an adult version or an older version of the character. And then we see a lot of things either in flashback or them looking back. And, mm. and that kind of that different way of using time. Because I know that it's, it's definitely, part, obviously it's part of Brother, but it's also part of things like Fun Home as yeah. well. Um, and, and a lot of the other musicals that I'm looking at at the moment, like XY and Unicorn and these musicals that are all in development, they do the same thing. And I, I think it's a really like lovely way of, a different way of storytelling. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you a little bit about um, how it feels working in a space, particularly with something like Anyone Can Whistle, where a good proportion of the cast are part of the LGBTQ community. And whether that kind of, what we gain from those kind of spaces, I suppose. Mm. I think because that was like my first proper run of a show and the fact that it was instantly a queer space, it's hard to compare because Mm. I can compare now because obviously I've done Charlie, which is not necessarily majority queer. I sometimes talk about this idea of of queer gain, which comes from that. Mm. I don't know whether you've heard of the idea of deaf gain before. Mm, Yeah. Um, So I spoke to, very early on in my research, I spoke to this guy who is deaf and queer. Mm. And he was talking about the idea of deaf gain and how there are certain things that the deaf community have brought uh, to, which is a gain for deaf people, but also a gain for the community at large. And he was talking Mm. a little bit about things like the huddle that you do in in football Mm. and how that originally 
originally came from the deaf community so that they could lip read and, and mm. that sort of thing. Okay. And so when we're talking about the idea of what it means by a queer space, queer I'm just thinking about are there things that we gain from working in a space okay. which is largely queer? I understand. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, completely. I think the first thing, you know, just from that is like a pronoun circle, mm. I think, is it's not even a something that you have to suggest because when the space is queer led and led by especially led by a non-binary person mm. it's right let's go around the circle say our pronouns and it's just so it's not questioned it's yeah. just like a it's not like an anyone in the space is going oh god mm. a pronoun circle <laughs> um yes it it's very much like a cool mm. fine and we we know where we are um everyone is aware of the queerness as well i think so it's like a misgendering is not necessarily common mm. again not that it is more common in a less queer led space it's just something that can be discussed i yeah. think it's a it, i don't want to say a collaborative process but it's definitely it definitely feels like an environment that you can go and be like i think because at the time i it was pre top surgery pre hormones mm. I was using they, them pronouns at the time. So it, I felt very comfortable to go to the uh, costume designer and be like, I don't necessarily feel comfortable in this or I'd like this in a larger size. Yes. And it wasn't questioned. It wasn't mm. like, oh, but this doesn't fit with my vision. It was <laughs> very much like, okay, got yes. you. Like, that's absolutely fine. And it was very much a, a space where it was, let's make this as accessible as possible and it was like if you think of anything to make this a better process for you let us know mm. um so yeah queer queer gain queer mm. gain yeah that's yeah I, w I would say those are the things that stick out obviously it was, it was a while ago it wasn't even that long ago but it, it was like yeah I was talking to some of the people who did Legally Blonde mm. on the previous series we did of this and talking about the idea of um, with Legally Blonde with some of the casting particularly casting trans and non-binary people adding queer elements to the story or mm. bringing mm. in queer elements out trying to deal with some of the stuff which maybe is less acceptable now than it was when the musical was written mm. all of that kind of thing yeah. and I think there's something really interesting about what happens when queer people take on any sort of story which was uh, where it's reviving something that was written a long time ago mm. yeah i think there's mm. something really powerful and queer retellings of not that you're changing the whole story to make it queer but just mm. um the presence of queer actors and creative teams and shows that were traditionally or the shows that are traditional basically yes. yeah. <laughs> and conventional and um putting a new set of eyes um on those shows can do such wonderful things yeah. And I guess, I guess anyone can whistle is one like that because that massively. is a traditional show. Was so I was just thinking that as you were saying that, I was just thinking about the fact that obviously anyone can whistle. The whole concept of a cookie jar was <laughs> originally written about people who like were in like a a mental institution. Yeah. And obviously that is not necessarily the best idea to retell the story and keep that so mm. obviously georgie came up with the wonderful concept that the cookie jar was actually for it was un unsaid but like mm. queer people or people who didn't quite fit the societal expectation yes. of man woman 
you know, strain. Mm. So it was this idea that the cookies were like these people who, yeah, didn't quite fit into the ideology of society. Um, and that is, yeah, a, a very, I, I'd say, I want, subtle is not the right word, but it's just, it's not like a tokenistic, what? yeah, it's mm. not like this idea that we're, we're shoving queer in your face <laughs> and look at this, these gays. <laughs> um, That's my favourite type of musical, actually. Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, look at these gays. Um, but it wasn't like, yeah, mm. this is the queer agenda mm. no it was very much like we're just gonna show you what society in your real life is actually like mm. by showing it to you on stage in a slightly melodramatic version yes. yeah with camp costumes thank you for listening to this podcast if you're enjoying it don't forget to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast service if you want to follow us on social media you can follow us on Twitter at Queer Musicals or you can follow me at Dr. James Lovelock. I was going to ask you, Robin, a little bit about understudying Charlie in Bedknobs and Broomsticks and, and how that experience worked for you and, again, playing a kind of younger character, I suppose. Yeah, um, that was very exciting for me. I think um, even in the audition... Uh, I guess I feel differently now. I feel like, yeah, that's so possible, so simple. But I felt a lot of wariness about around whether they would want to cast me um, as a trans person because I hadn't, yeah, seen a lot of that yet. Obviously, mm. there's more trans people in commercial theatre now. Um, this wasn't even that long ago. It was like three years. two to three years now yeah. that, yeah, casting was taking place. Um, and... Yeah, I, I was like, oh, that would be silly. Imagine. Um, and, then, and then I ended up uh, in the ensemble and covering, uh, first cover Charlie Rawlins. And I was like, wow, that's that's a bit exciting. And um, I, yeah, I had a, Connor was the principal and he was wonderful and was like a really good principal to like learn from and be able to ask questions to and, and that just be really comfortable and him mm. be like, whatever you need, what like whatever the, you know, creative team haven't given you I'll, I'll give you um and i managed to go on like a solid 10 times um <laughs> thanks brilliant. to covid <laughs> well maybe the covid yeah not, not so much the covid thank but you, um, COVID. thank you covid <laughs> Connor, sorry about your covid um but he was fine um and it was really wonderful to have uh enough time to do it and be nervous do it and be nervous and then do it and be okay <laughs> um and then do it and be comfortable yeah um i was very lucky and yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was. It felt really special doing my bow on my own yeah. <laughs> um, for the first time because it was also my first like big job in general. Mm. Um, Spring Awakening um, was, you know, at the Hope Mill. It was a bit more fringe and it was definitely a smaller production. And this, just as a first like big UK tour, it all felt really huge um, and exciting. And so. Yeah, doing my, my first bow and, and doing like magic and stuff because it was a magical mm, show and I got yes. to be on a flying bed and I got to turn <laughs> into a rabbit and like disappear through a table and there was a lot of technical magic stuff mm. that was actually just really technically exciting mm. to do um, and stuff you don't get in every show. Um, and um, I think I I may have been the first openly trans 
Disney character, apparently, according to Twitter at the time. Oh, brilliant. Um, well done, Twitter. Yeah, so <laughs> that was Good like... Good for something. Ah, all right. <laughs> okay. That was, mm. um, yeah, a nice achievement, I guess. And uh, now, hopefully, there are more of that. Yeah, more more trans people in Disney shows. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed the covering so much. Mm. Um, it was, yeah, my first experience also of being kind of a lead yes. <laughs> other than in my own work controlled myself so that was definitely <laughs> exciting I, I was on on stage for the whole show and um it was yeah it felt like a big undertaking um but it was really wonderful and I was really comfortable by the end and everyone in the cast was really really supportive of that I I ended up being the first like cover on because Connor very suddenly lost his voice mm. in like one of the uh, earliest venues, and so I hadn't rehearsed, and I was so I was absolutely terrified. But everyone was so supportive, and people were literally like in the interval running lines with me, and it was just, yeah, a very unforgettable experience. Um, and then I got to do it and be comfortable with it, so comfortable, comfortable. comfortable. <laughs> I, I gotta be comfortable. Um, <laughs> then I got to do it and be comfortable with it, and yeah, felt really good. That's great. And and I'm so happy to hear that there are companies that are being so supportive. Mm. I mean, I think the majority, I hope anyway, the majority of people in theatre are supportive of LGBTQ people because that's where theatre has always come from. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Um, but it's it's good to hear that happening in practice as well. Mm. Um, So are there queer characters in musical theatre or are there productions that you've felt really drawn to? What, What are the sort of things that have inspired you in musicals? Um, personally, Fun Home was like mm. the biggest thing for me. Uh, I fell in love really hard with that musical. It was also yes. back before I transitioned. So I was like finding the kinship to it as a, mm. a queer woman, um, as I thought. <laughs> I felt, yeah, really seen by that. Um, it was a first lesbian protagonist on Broadway. Mm. That And that was only in 2015. That just felt mm. like, wow, how ridiculous that it's we've gotten that far and this is the first time it's happened um i think it inspired me as a writer um which makes sense as you mentioned that <laughs> brother and fun home have this same kind of time mm. storytelling um idea i yeah really loved the storytelling of fun home i think it's so beautiful unique <laughs> cry every time honestly mm. <laughs> and that definitely inspired me to be like oh wow you can have a like flaming queer mm. <laughs> lead um, and the whole show is centred around her and, like, no one would have it any other way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. What about you, Teddy? Gosh. This is where I realise I'm not that queer. I'm actually <laughs> quite a straight, no, straight trans man. man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I remember the prom mm. coming out. And obviously, like Robin said, that queer female experience yeah. before transitioning and or coming to terms with who I was. So I saw um I I never watched the production, um, mm. but I I did see little slime tutorials of it. Um <laughs> of Caitlin obviously in the role of Emma in the prom and I watched the film. Wow. What I just I did love it. It was I know it was quite a divisive film mm. of like Marmite, <laughs> but I just thought it was so great and I kind of looked a little bit like Caitlin. <laughs> well, actually, the character of Emma <laughs> yeah. with this like ginger bob. Mm. Um, 
And I was like, oh my God, I love this. I want to play this role. And then obviously realized that I did not want to play this role. <laughs> it was just like a little pipe dream that, mm. that burnt and died very quickly. But <laughs> um, I love that show. I love that show a lot. Um, I'm trying to think what other shows, queer shows. I know there are so many. One of the things that's difficult is that there's so few queer shows with trans men in, I think. Yeah, I think it's that, the relation to anything. So that's why I've mainly related to, like, cis male characters, but then mm. not even entirely, because I've never really seen a piece where m my story has mm. been shown, which is a opportunity to write something. <laughs> oh, wait, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it, it's a difficult one and i'd love mm. to say like as much as i said about the prom i'd love mm. to be like yeah and, and this was so like oh my god i see myself but i don't think i necessarily have seen myself which is mm. why new work is obviously so exciting um but i do really i'm very passionate about integrating trans people into commercial theater because that yes. is the most sustainable way to I pay trans people. Mm. <laughs> I, I love new work. I love new writing. I love fringe theatre. I love mm. off West End stuff. I love like regional stuff. But to get trans people in the West End in long running shows, some people hate the idea. <laughs> I am so passionate about it because I just think it's, in my opinion, the way to expose like the general population mm -hmm. to trans people and how i don't like the word normal so i'm not going to use no. it but how how not deep it is how yeah that's thank you <laughs> thank god for robin <laughs> how not deep it is mm. and just how easy it is and oh, genuinely people coming to watch charlie there have been a few people who have messaged me on instagram and been like i didn't know you were trans mm. and i'm just like no, it's that <laughs> easy. <laughs> um, it's not it, and it's just not deep. And it's just like cast the right person for the job. Mm. Um, and it's nice that it is not deep, but for some people seeing it, it's so it's gonna be yeah. so deep. Yeah, it's gonna so feel deep. amazing. Yeah, mm. really amazing. And that, yeah, that's why it's like, well, it's not gonna affect you, but you know who it is gonna affect? Someone who really needs to see this, and yes. that's why it needs. To and I, honestly, I will, you know. Genuinely, people messaging being like, I'm so glad to see trans rep. Yeah. It, it's made me realise that it's possible. It's given me hope. It's made me realise that there is place, there is a place for me mm. in this industry um, and and big commercial productions. And, and it, yeah, it's great. Mm. And, and it feels wonderful. And, and I, you know, I probably speak for both of us. It feels amazing to have that impact on, you know, yeah. young people or not maybe not even young like graduate people who yeah i mean are young are us, older basically than some me as well we've messaged and yeah. you know not every trans timeline is the same as we know and Absolutely. people or early people... in transition early yeah, in yeah. knowing who they are yeah. it's nice for them to see two trans people like happy succeeding. and succeeding <laughs> and doing well at their job and just living their yeah. life and not it not being like Trans Augustus and Trans Mike is just <laughs> Mike and Augustus who happen to be played by two trans actors. Mm, absolutely. Slay. Yeah. Mm, My Augustus will. is definitely gay, but who's to say if he's trans, you know? Mike is definitely closeted. <laughs> 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 closeted for Augustus. Yeah. <laughs> We're waiting for that fan art. <laughs> Excellent.
Excellent. Um, I, there's just one other question that occurred to me. I'm thinking about what roles do you think particularly, what roles would you particularly like to play? No, you go first, go on. <laughs> All right then. Um, I, other than, I'll always preface it with other than my own work <laughs> that mm. I would like to have in big places and be in it. Um, other than that, I have kind of two dream roles i guess in in big commercial theater mm. um and i don't know if i'll ever play them but the dream will still be there um and that's evan hansen and orpheus in hades town okay um yeah. and i think because of my size i maybe will never be orpheus because they kind of tend to tie cast like taller muscular cis men in, in like all the productions mm. which i have looked at all the production photos <laughs> for every single production um yeah it's never really a little boy. Maybe um, Georgie Rankham can do an off West End. Yeah, I, <laughs> give me a non-replica <laughs> production of Hades Town where you. I mean, actually, I don't want that because I want Hades Town exactly as it is. But I just <laughs> want me in it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that one will ever happen. Um, but I think if if it Evan Hansen were to come, I I, th- I think I could do that <laughs> if it were to come again. Uh, what about you, Teddy? Oh, I would so love to play Bach in Wicked. Oh, and not to be. Ah, <laughs> uh, gosh, I've had. You know, people message me. If I bring this up on a podcast, they go, <laughs> we get it. Okay, we get it. Mm. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I love that part so much. It's not just about the part, but about the fact that Wicked is Wicked. And mm. it's such a huge musical. And I just, you know, it's it sells to so many people. And I'm just... Mm. It, yeah, like I said, it's just not, it's not just about playing Bach. It's about the idea of being, you know, the general public seeing just a trans person just yes. do and exist. Mm. Um, <laughs> there are so many roles that I, you know, I love the idea of, you know, if I could sing it, I'd love to be Marty McFly. But <laughs> I think my tenor dreams are over, to be honest. Um, and, but yeah. I'd love to be a part of Standing at the Sky's Edge as well because mm, yeah. what a, an incredible show. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's loads of like little little bits. Oh, and Les Mis. Of Les course. Mis is like my first love mm. and as I hope it doesn't it's not too generic, but just a part in Les Mis. Mm. That show is so special to me and I yeah, I would really just love to be a part of it. Mm. I, I I'll be the barricade if you need me to. You'd be a lovely barricade. I'd be a gorgeous barricade. A camp little barricade, you know. Yeah. I think I think a big camp play miserable is something that really needs to be seen. Yeah. And I'll yeah, I'll be the camp barricade. Okay. Thank you so much uh, for being with us today, uh, Teddy and Robin. And thank you very much for listening at home and we'll see you next time. In the next episode, we're joined by actor Rashani Abbey and writer Flora Leo. The main message of the show was not about queerness, mm. which I think was also great. There yes. was just queerness involved. Yeah. Because there always is. Somebody's somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's Finally. queer everywhere. Yes. So. <laughs> the next episode will come out on Saturday the 12th of August. See you there. <laughs>